This is Performance Deliver, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, we're going to talk about how to become a great sales professional. Here to speak with me about the topic is Chad Burmeister, who is the CEO and founder at ScaleX AI, an AI for sales as a service to give founders and CEOs of funded startups an unfair competitive advantage. Before starting ScaleX, Chad served as sales and inside sales leader at different companies, including Cisco WebEx, RingCentral, and Connect and Sell. Chad, welcome to Performance Delivered. It's great to be here. I think uh, the intro reminds me of all of the fun adventures I've had in life. <laughs> Before you decided to found your own company. That's right. That must have changed everything. Well, it's, I did it once in 2004, yeah. so 2006, and that's when I realized I'd never been in leadership before. And so that's why I went back to corporate America to, uh, to learn how to manage and learn how to lead. Oh, that's interesting. So let's, let's talk about a little bit more about, you know, your, your career and, and how you ended up in sales. How did you get started in your career? Well, it's funny. When I was a kid, seven, 10 years old, I, re I was always competitive, uber competitive, whether it was playing ping pong with my brother or a pinball game. I just love to win and hate to lose. So a lot of times people ask you, do you hate to lose or do you love to win? I'm like, no, it's both. I can't, 50-50. And uh, so the competitive nature was always there. And I discovered sales when I bought a gross of suckers from the store with my mother. Uh, it wasn't Costco. I think it was Sam's Club, Club way back when. And so I bought a gross and I would sell them, you know, you'd, you'd pay maybe five to 10 cents each. Mm -hmm. And the going rate was a quarter. And then I learned the law of scarcity that when you have the last two in the bucket, you could actually sell them for a dollar each. So <laughs> I think I learned very, very early that I wanted to be in sales. And then throughout college, um, you know, high school, college, I did a few internships and it was always, sales was always going to be the end destination for me. Interesting. So what was your first position after coming out of college? So my first job, I interviewed at Colorado State University for a job that was in Arizona. And so I didn't actually meet the hiring manager, but I got interviewed. I went to New York City um, at a very young age. So I must have been just over 21. I fly to New York for a three-week intensive onboarding program and then moved from Colorado to Arizona. It was called Olston Staffing Services. And what I discovered is that staffing, especially in Arizona where I was, and especially at this company, it was probably 70 to 80%, maybe even 90% women in sales. And I was the minority as a male in sales. And um, that first job was rough. I, I thought, you know, all my competitive upbringing and my ability to sell in college, you know, a couple of $500 programs here and there would carry over into my first job. And what I found was that I had a really, really hard time looking somebody in the eyes, sitting across the, from them across the table. It was such a weird situation, right? I didn't know if I should look at them in the eyes. Do I look at the table? Do I look away? 
And I really had a hard time listening to understand the buyer. Mm. And so as a result of that, I was actually fired from the first job that I had after eight or nine months. And at that point, I really had to look inside and question, is sales for me? Yeah. Um, so it was quite a traumatic event. And yet looking back, it, it was the spark that lit the fire that caused me to be the seller that I am today. Why do you think you had problems in, in kind of, you know, looking people in the eye, finding the right thing to say, pulling out the important words on what, what the, you know, your prospect told you? Well, I, I think of, you know, the, the conscious competence, competence and conscious incompetence and unconscious competence. Now that I've learned all of the, the ways that people learn and become masters at their craft, I was unconsciously incompetent early on. <laughs> right. I sucked and I didn't know it. <laughs> so I think it's important to stare that down in the face and, and know that when you're 21 years old, you know, the world doesn't have super high expectations of you yet. Mm -hmm. And so you have to read the books. You have to go to the, you have to learn by doing through repetition. Yeah. So I, I learned very early. My next job, I met a guy named Skip Miller. And Skip has been a lifelong friend. He's written five, six books, all on selling. And he taught me revenue equals frequency times competency. And so you can focus early in your career on the, on the F, right? So I always joke with, with my new hires, hey, when you're early in your sales career, get the F up, <laughs> right? get, get the frequency up. So over time, competency comes as a carry-on by focusing first on just at bats. So that's, that's where I've, that's where I started and um, it's paid off over the years. So is that the area where you kind of increased your activity, you increased the frequency to, to, to talk to more people, to reach out to more people in order to, to start seeing results? Yeah. So I would always be the, the rep who would win on frequency. Because if I didn't have the competency yet, then how could I leverage technology or processes to do more than anybody else on the team? So by the time I got to, I went from Airborne Express for about a year and a half. I became the number one salesperson in the company in the year and a half that I was there. I was recruited by FedEx. I, I earned five or six promotions to where finally I actually flew to China before we had lanes in China when I was at FedEx. So I was in the cockpit of an airplane, which was kind of neat and interesting. And, um, you know, and I learned in my FedEx days, I learned much more about the competency of selling. Uh, in fact, the person that I worked for, Philip Raggetts, pulled me aside one day and said, Chad, man, you don't have to do eight and 10 sales calls a day anymore. That was airborne. He's like, our, our goals are four or five a day. What I want you to focus on is the competency so that when you're in those sales calls, you make them more effective. So I, I was able to combine frequency times competency. And then over the 25-year career that I've had in sales, um, I focus on both always. And so it, it makes the revenue equation go up when you can do both. You know, I, I hear a lot of people saying it's either quality or quantity. From what you just said, it sounds like you 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 kind of mastered to, to find out the right balance between the two of them. 
Yeah, there's a book that at WebEx was mandatory reading for all the managers. It's called Vital Factors. And the subtext was focus on the vital few, ignore the trivial many. Mm -hmm. And I always had a problem with that. I was like, well, wait a minute. Focus on the vital many, ignore the trivial few. (laughs) I flipped it because there are a lot of metrics and KPIs that when done right, it could be like flying an airplane rather than driving a car. Yeah. And so, sure, there are a few metrics that matter. Is the pipeline there? And is as a result as the bookings there? But I've always looked upstream and said, okay, how many calls are going out? What's my dial to connect? What's my conversion from conversation to meeting? You know, just in the dialing part of it could be 50 different factors that you look at. Mm -hmm. How many references do you get? An email, open rates, reply rates, click-throughs, meetings booked, uh, and social connection rate. There's so many different altimeters that are on the on the aircraft that I I think of it like that. You know, you yeah. have to look at a lot and not just a few. I mean, I would assume that sales back in the 90s was completely different to today. What has what has changed? How did sales professionals have to adjust to back in the 90s coming to to nowadays? Yeah. It, when I went to WebEx in 2005, that's really the, the time where I think a lot of the world changed because at WebEx, we, we introduced video to web meetings for anyone. So, you know, you think of today, you think of Zoom video for all the meetings that are being done around the world. And so I think what changed is that technology became part of the process. So, mm-hmm. You know, one guy, Jerry Goldman, 26 quarters in a row at WebEx, he always made his quota, 26 in a row. And there's not a whole lot of companies where you can say, yeah, yeah, our, our top reps make their quota every single quarter, mm-hmm. quarter in and quarter out. The way he did it is that he built an email list and he continued to add to it and he would just continue to stay in touch with the people through email. What's happened since 2005 to 2007 is that now there's LinkedIn, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's voicemails, there's yeah, there, there's a dozen different channels and paths to the end customer. And so it's gotten so noisy mm-hmm. since 2000, let's say 15 or so. And how do you differentiate yourself from other sellers? And it's starting to come down to personal brand and yeah. trust. And how do I build trust? And this is where, to me, marketing and sales are are now finally swimming, you know, paddling in the same boat because the marketer can actually help the salesperson build a personal brand. Um, and it's not just about company brand anymore. It's about the person and making sure that that person builds trust in the marketplace. Yeah. You you talked about um, the person WebEx that, that met that quota for 26 consecutive months uh, because you know, he, he stayed in touch with people. From your perspective, what, what is the approach or what should be the approach for a sales professional to stay in touch? What, what kind of information would you suggest salespeople should share with their contact list in order to keep them warm and not see them, you know, cooling down? It, it's, it's a good ask. And I think to date, there hasn't really been a platform that addresses that ask. Mm-hmm. And 
we're now in talks with a few different advisors that we're planning to work with. We're looking at the different technologies and tools. In addition to our own, we've assembled data, a dialing platform, um, digital outreach through email, social, and paid ads. So we've got a platform, but we're looking to build the answer to that question through a software technology. So I think in today's world, you know, the rep looks at their account list and they say, oh, shoot, Uh, just this morning I met with my team and we've got probably 15 October expirations. So Mm -hmm. from the beginning of the month, we've been going through on a weekly basis and we say, Kristen, Shannon, what about this account? What about this one? And we're we're strategizing on deals that expire this month. Um, What would happen if 90 days prior a voicemail would have gone out from Kristen on an automated basis. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kristen, you know, really looking forward to getting some time on your calendar. I noticed that you're, and then you mail merge in the voicemail, so to mm-hmm. speak. I noticed that you're using ScaleX Social, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. mail merge. Uh, and, and, you know, you're get, you've gotten 12 meetings over the last three months. Again, you could mail merge voice and video in today's yeah. world. And so, you know, We'd like to schedule some time with myself and Chad, our CEO. So I think where it's where the industry's headed is that there'll be a platform that has SMS built in, email, voicemail, Vidyard videos, and a lot of the answers to that question will be programmed in an automated way, which then puts the stress of the conversation on the rep. So in the past, where I needed a rep who was good at managing the back end of the CRM and updating the data and, you know, going through and doing all that work, I think the skill set requirement of the rep will be much more EQ based rather than IQ based mm-hmm. or competitive based. And it's how do they get in alignment with the customer and truly help them solve their business problems versus trying to sell them something um, that maybe they do don't need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A few minutes ago, you talked about now there are so many different places where you can find information. LinkedIn, there are uh, business data sources, etc. Has the market become too complex? Is, is is there too much noise to help people to focus on and get work better done? So it it can become noisy, no doubt about it. And so I think if you're a sales leader or a CEO, it's your duty to lay the groundwork for the sales and marketing team, certainly the sales team, on the types of things they should be focused on. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, because there's so many possible things that you could focus on, and we as humans tend to go to the least common denominator, the easiest thing possible. So, it, you know, when I had a team at Ring Central of over 100 people, I found that a lot of folks were leaning on email very heavily. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, wait a minute, we have a marketing department who writes the email. <laughs> That's cool. If you're personalizing it, let me see your level of personalization. And I go, yeah, yeah, cool. Check this out. Look, I put in Stefan comma. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. The automation did that. Show me the sentence that you did that that personalizes it to Stefan. And they'd go, 
Oh, oh no, I was confused. Sorry. I thought you wanted to use your emails that you put into the cadencing technology. I was like, well, well, no, see where it's the bold capitals and it says insert personalization here. They go, yeah, I, I just went ahead and deleted that because I thought your, your email was amazing that you wrote, Chad. <laughs> and I was like, hold the line. And I go, what are you doing the rest of the day if you're doing this in a mail blast rather than personalizing? it?" Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you told me that I need to make dials and we're using a system to do 125 dials an hour. And you told me I need to do that for one hour a day. Perfect. Okay, let's log into that system. Let me look at it. And they're like, oh, yeah, for the last, yesterday I was actually out half a day. <laughs> so I didn't make any calls. Okay, let's look for the whole month. And you're like, wait, you only logged into the dialer one time for one hour for 125 dials? Yeah. So, you know, so it was, it was like, look over here. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing my emails personalized and look over there. I'm not doing my calls. And I was so frustrated by this. That's why I invented scalex.ai because I said, you know what? If you can't spend the time to do 70 to 75% of the work that could be automated, mm-hmm. then I might as well just automate it. <laughs> so, True. So then yeah. as, as you mentioned, scalex, so, so Tell our listeners a little bit about ScaleX. What, what does your uh, software do? How does it help in the sales process? So it, it's three Ds is what we call it. Data, digital, and dials. So most companies tend to skimp on data. And you shouldn't because if you put ga- bad gas in the tank, then you're going to get pings in the engine and the engine could go bad. So we fill the tank with pure premium data, <laughs> right? So yeah. Zoom Info, is the leader sales intel is a close second they both provide mobile numbers they both provide linkedin connections so they'll give you the url of the person they both track to see if the person still works there so don't make it your sdr and bdr problem to do the data pulls and to make sure it's clean because that's a costly endeavor when you can have one data person across the team it's far more cost-effective than to try to make everybody a data provider. Mm-hmm. So it starts with data. The second piece is a virtual assistant for email. So we believe that that's such a low-yielding channel when even if you do it with the best messaging ever, right? We've had partners that you could invest $15,000 on amazing messaging. The difference between sending that same message through LinkedIn versus email is about 10x. So you might get a one to 3% reply rate or even a half percent on email. And if you move it over to a different channel, which is LinkedIn outreach, you might get a 10 to 12% reply rate within the next six to 12 months might take a little bit longer than that. We believe that most sellers will have a virtual assistant that can send their emails and the smart emails like ScaleX can actually automate the response. If someone asks a question that's an email, we can automate the top 10 or 12 questions that come up day in and day out. Who are your competitors? How much do you cost, et cetera? Yeah. So it's like a chatbot, basically. Yeah. It's like a chatbot moved over to email and social. Interesting. Interesting. So you just mentioned LinkedIn outreach, and that's actually something (laughs) I want to talk to you about. So I guess everyone out there gets a lot of emails these days from from companies that say, hey, you know what, we can optimize your LinkedIn outreach. Um, And you get the same messages on LinkedIn. And 
I, I start to get the feeling that LinkedIn has become already overcrowded. The opportunity there might already be have hit the peak, so to speak. What's, what's your view on it? Um, do you still think that LinkedIn is still a great place to find prospect or does it require further fine-tuning than many companies do these days to still be successful? On I platform? think you can use the tool wrong. It would be mm -hmm. like if you bought a chainsaw and you brought it into your house and said, I'm going to brush my teeth with this. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a pretty good example that I've never used before. It would turn into a mess mm -hmm. if you tried to do that. And I think that's what people tend to do with automation. They come in and they say, I'm going to crank this up to 250 a day. Mm -hmm. I'm going to connect. And then once Stefan connects with me, I'm going to say, hey, when do you want to buy my stuff? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the wrong answer. When we coach companies on how to create a connection request, It needs to be heartfelt. It needs to, you know, it's a combination of zeros and ones. So whether mm -hmm. you're copying and pasting or whether you're typing it fresh or using automation, if you use the automation properly and you put the care and feeding into the setup of it, Nick Cavuto, for example, he's uh, he partners with us on the marketing side of the house. Mm -hmm. He uses our technology and he sends a clapping symbol, uh, an emoji in the very mm -hmm. first line And he says, I'm not a fan with, by the way, the I and the M are not capitalized. Mm -hmm. and there's no apostrophe. I'm not a fan of those uh, automation tools and technologies. And I, I'm more interested in personally getting to know you. Mm -hmm. And I think based on reading your profile, we'd get along nicely. Um, you know, would you mind connecting here? And then we can take this offline and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so he started at 30 or 40 a day. He had to move it back down to 15 because he was getting so many responses. Once the customer responds or the prospect responds, then he uses the LinkedIn video capability mm -hmm. to say, hey, it's Nick. I'm sitting out at the fire pit. Um, <laughs> you know, I really look forward to meeting you. Sorry that I missed you. Here's a link to my Calendly. Go ahead and, and you know, hook me up. Let's meet. Mm -hmm. So it's all in how you use the tech. Yeah. 80 to 90% of people are using it incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk, let's go back to sales professionals um, because I want to kind of get a little bit more out for the salespeople that might be listening and, and how they can improve their sales approach. First question there is how do you think people can become great sales professionals? There's actually a test that will that I'd highly recommend that you take. And there's there's probably three or four. Um, the first one is objective management group. Mm -hmm. Typically hiring companies have a relationship with OMG and then you fill it out and then the hiring manager gets to see your results and you will never see it. There's a way to go and find the free link. We'll have to put it in the show notes or something, but sure. you can go in and you can answer the 100 to 120 questions and get access to your OMG. And that's okay. typically what me as the hiring manager would look at. And it's going to look across things like, are, are you rejection proof? Uh, what's your relationship building capability? Do you have what's called the money gap? This tool will tell you beyond a reasonable doubt, red, yellow, green on all these different areas. And so when I'm early in my career, if I would have known 
here's your strengths and weaknesses. You ought to invest the next 25 years of your selling in this area because you're really strong in these other eight. Mm -hmm. But go focus on those two. These types of tools are amazing. Another one is called Wealth Dynamics. Mm -hmm. So that one, I think you can pay 50 or 100 bucks and go get their assessment. And then there's another one that I'm using recently called Code Breaker Technology, and they Mm -hmm. give you your bank code, and it tells you how you are as a buyer. So Mm -hmm. between all these different personality things, I think it's important to understand if if I'm going into the sales career, you know, a lot of times people will tell you, hey, Stefan, you're a natural seller. You ought to just go into this. And they may or may not know what's under the hood. So these types of AI powered assessments, I think are really, really good place to start. Take it with a grain of salt, right? If you're early in your career, maybe you can go against the grain and you can learn how to be a good seller. I've certainly learned over 25 years how to be a good seller. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also know that this is where I'm meant to be. My skill sets and personality traits tell me that this is exactly the, the role that I'm supposed to be in. What mistakes do you see if sales professionals make when they engage with, with prospects or when they're in the face of, of closing a deal? Mm, the deal's usually lost in discovery, it's, mm-hmm. right? When you're doing the discovery call is the time where you're setting landmines, you're figuring out the reasons. Um, I love my friend Keenan's book, Gap Selling. It's the best articulation built for the year 2020 of how to sell for impact because most reps say, oh, what are you looking for in a solution? And they say, well, I need it to screen share. Oh, let me show you how great of a screen share this is. Blah, 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 blah. And they just spend the next 59 minutes on a 60 minute call showing the screen share and 50 other features of the product Mm -hmm. itself. Someone like Keenan would say, hold on, let's slow the roll. And say, okay, what are you looking for in a solution? And mm-hmm. and really peel back the onion. And then what's the impact if you solve the problem or the impact if you don't solve the problem? If, if you can get to the point where you can be a much better assessor of the impact of solving the problem, mm-hmm. man, the rest of it becomes just simple. It's just a... As Skip Miller would say, you get to the end and you just say, yes, we can do that. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. Perfect. Where do I send the check? Yeah. <laughs> no closing required. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, you know, I think we all at some point went down that road that instead of identifying what are the pain points, for example, or, or what are you going to eliminate with your solution if the, if the prospect buys, you just start pushing information on to your prospect without really knowing if that's of interest to that person, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, we all do it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It sometimes depends on on your your form, you know, for a specific day. <laughs> and afterwards, you're like, damn it, no, that was wrong. I didn't want to do that. But, you know, it happens. The important thing, I think, is for anything, is, is to learn from, from those mistakes, right? To, well, to what I think is interesting, Stefan, with AI, there's a tool out there right now that, nobody's heard of, probably Mm -hmm. nobody on your podcast has ever heard of. It's called Balto Software, B-A-L-T-O. And what they do is plug into your Zoom meeting. So it's a little sidecar over on the right. It's like a Chrome extension. Yeah, It listens to the conversation. 
converts it to text. And if it hears certain phrases mm-hmm. like, oh, we're using WebEx and you're trying to sell Zoom video, boop, it just pops up a little text and it says, oh, you're they're asking the WebEx question. Why don't you turn it around and ask them these three questions? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. And so it's it's AI powered training wheels for a discovery call, a demo call, a closing call. And and that's what I think is exciting. If I go back 25 years of my career and I had training wheels inside of a of a meeting, yeah. Oh man, reps are going to get really good really quick and mm-hmm. the customer's going to be more happy because the as long as they hire someone to program the AI effectively. Chad, before we before we finish today's podcast, I have one last question for you. Where do you see sales heading in the next five to 10 years? I think sales is here to stay and it'll be manned or womaned by people. I think the EQ is going to become more important than the IQ, meaning the ability to connect in a human to human way because the technology is getting so good at lining you up to the sales conversation and the business conversation that when you get there, you'd better be well rehearsed and well trained because if rep A converts 70% of the first meetings to a second meeting and rep B converts 5%, then that's where the gap's going to be. The AI is going to move its way up from the bottom where emails will be sent more effectively Uh, social connections, all of the AI power puts more stress on the human. And so I think for the buyer, life becomes great, right? They get now to work with sellers who actually take time to empathize, listen, understand the business pain. Tools like Gong and Chorus and Exec Vision have been out there for three to five years. And I think people are only scratching the surface on what's possible when it comes to leveraging those technologies to coach inside the conversation. And they need to flip it. There's a guy named Dan McDade. His new company is called Prospect Experience. And he's mm-hmm. very focused on what the prospect is going through as the buyer, as opposed to me as the seller. Interesting. Well, Shed, thank you for joining me on the Performance Divert podcast and sharing your knowledge on how to become a great sales professional. If people want to find out more about you and your company, how can they get in touch? They can email me directly. It's chad at scalex, S-C-A-L-E-X dot A-I. And I'm happy to put them in touch with whoever on my team would be appropriate. Um, we do partnerships as well as direct relationships. You could be a entrepreneur, solopreneur, all the way up to a Fortune 1000 company. And AI for sales is really custom fit for anyone and everyone. And it can help you grow your sales massively. Perfect. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.